The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And by Kev- with Kevin Eckery, uh, formerly um, worked with the Timber Association of California. Is that right, Kevin? Is that was that the correct name at the time? At, at the time, yeah. In fact, I'm in fact I'm the person who renamed it the California Forestry Association. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, we're going to chat today about a case that was a really, really a big deal a number of years ago. Uh, Twenty years plus to the day, uh, the Unabomber case. Uh, Theodore Kaczynski was captured after 17 years, um, three deaths, 23 injuries of bombing across the country. He was captured up in Montana, came down here, and the media frenzy down in Sacramento was really pretty amazing. And Kevin was here then, too, and is familiar with um, the Forestry Association, familiar with the issues that animated a lot of this at the time. And so, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thanks, John. Um, Thanks for asking. Are there any particular memories you have of that era, we're talking 96, 95, 96, 97, that era right in there. What, what, what do you recall from that as we look back on this case? Well, I mean, the case itself was, was horribly tragic. I mean, um, this is a guy who had been um, terrorizing people for 10 years. Um, you know, several people were killed, maimed, um, you know, otherwise injured. And it was, um, it was scary. I mean, in the two years I worked at the Forestry Association, for example, one of the things I did is I never opened my, my mailbox by looking into it. I always opened it by stepping to the side and, and opening it so that, um, you know, at worst I might lose a hand. Um, because, you know, Ted Kaczynski was, was very much active in that uh, 89 to 91 time period when I worked for the, the then Timber Association, and we were working on, on a couple of ballot initiatives, yeah. H- had you received um, threats? Had that, you know, had you got them, you know, in the mail or had people... No, I mean, I personally, I personally never, never received any, but uh, we were always on the alert. It was a, it was a really um, tense time in timber country. Um, you know, the, uh-huh. the, the battles that were going on from people who were very passionate about, you know, believing that they had a choice of saving jobs or saving forests, um, which is a false choice, by the way. Um, were were um, were sort of in, in pitched battle. You had, you know, protests. You had, um, you know, violence. In some cases, there was a, you know, one of the Earth First people blew themselves up with when a bomb they were transporting in the Oakland area went off. So, it was, um, you know, it was it was pretty serious stuff back then. No, and despite the fact that. Kaczynski often would paint himself as part of a larger organization uh, by referring to himself as we and us, etc. in his notes. He was a solo entity and he was may have been inspired by Earth First and other activists. He was a solo uh, bomber, is that correct? Uh, he, he was a solo bomber. I, I don't know who inspired him. I know that he was someone whose writings um, portrayed someone who was anti-technology generally. Um, he was a loner. I mean, when he was caught, it was in a, 
uh, a cabin that was probably, you know, 100 to 150 square feet when he was living off the land. So this is someone who, who was not a social animal, let's put it that way. And so do you remember the the bomb that killed Gilmurray was actually addressed to William Dennison, who had been his predecessor at the California Forestry Association, who had been gone, I believe, for a year. And in fact, the the package that that killed Marie was addressed to the older name, which I'm not, I'm not sure what that was. You were saying you renamed it the California Forestry Association. Yeah, it was the Timber Association so of California. in the office there was some concern about this package when it arrived, and they weren't sure if they should send it on to Denison or what, and, and in the end, Gil Marie decided to open it, took it to his office, and the explosion happened. Um, did, did you work with both Gil Marie and William Dennison? I did. I did. I mean, Bill is still with us. Um, Gil sadly passed away in that, in that bombing, and he was a wonderful guy. Absolutely a wonderful man. What do you remember about him? He, was, he, had, a, he had a quiet and dry sense of humor, but always had a smile. He was a, he was a, a veteran. He was um, madly in love with his with his wife of twenty years, Connie. Um, he had two, he had two good kids. He was um, when he wasn't at work, he was with them and hiking or skiing or or doing things together as a family, and a lot of it in the outdoors. Um, I mean, he had gone to UC Berkeley to train to become a forester, and a forester is someone who is sort of a combination of, of uh, sort of an engineer and a botanist in their own way, or an arborist, I guess, is the better, better term. And, um, I mean, Gil was, was really devoted to whatever he was doing, to doing the right thing. I mean, he was, uh, he was a great guy. Hey, Kevin, had they been, um, had the forestry people been at that office on uh, I Street, uh, for a while, or were they newly arrived there? I thought they moved at one point after, uh, you know, they found new offices after, or right around that time. I don't know if, if it was precipitated, the move was precipitated by the... Yeah, John, they moved offices after the bombing, of course, because the the bomb went off in the reception area when when Gil was opening it. And um, and so it took out the, the front part of the office, and they moved into a much more secure situation first in the es- in, in eventually I think um, in the Esquire building or they moved on from there but um, but yeah no it was uh, you know they moved they moved afterwards they'd been in that in those offices on I Street uh, for several years before I was there so um, maybe at least 10 years they were there yeah so now to put this in context for people who are listening, we're recording this podcast about a block from this site, and that site on High Street, where the Forestry Association was located, is directly across the street from the Attorney General's yeah. office. The brand um, new Attorney General's office that they had uh, had constructed, the new headquarters. Was yeah, it was. Yeah, the, the Attorney General's offices were were brand new when this happened. Yeah, and you're right, immediately across the street. Now, did, did you also know the people that worked that were still working there? I know there was. Uh, there's news footage of uh, them taking a pregnant woman who had been in the office, who was obviously quite shocked, uh, to the uh, to the hospital just for a checkup. She was fine and the baby was fine. But did you also know the other people that worked there the day that the bombing happened? Did you ever talk to them about this? Um, you know, ironically, no, we haven't really talked about it. I mean, I certainly 
um, have kept in touch with, with some of the people who, who worked there at the time. When the bomb had gone off, I had been gone from working there for about four years. And um, I had um, I had gone to work, and I was Governor Wilson's press secretary for a while and had other appointments in the administration. And, and when this happened, I was working at uh, State and Consumer Services Agency. So... Um, you know, I probably I'm, I know I knew many of the people who were still there four years later, but I'm sure I didn't know all of them. You know, one thing I thought was weird about this case, uh, from the reporting end, was the way he was in and out of Sacramento. The first fatality was in Sacramento, Hugh Scruton, and that was in the mid '80s, 1985. And he and he leaves and he goes around the country, uh, and ultimately comes back in his final fatality is here in Sacramento. Something about Sacramento that drew him here. I don't remember that coming out in testimony or, um, you know, coming out in the investigation. It might have been in his diary because he picked, he, he tracked things that he did uh, in coded language. So it might have been in there, but I don't recall any reason that he had a special attachment to Sacramento. He actually even stayed here down on 7th Street in a hotel, then the Hotel Marshall, um, so he had some affinity for coming here, but never was quite clear why. Do you ever remember in the case hearing about, so what's with Sacramento as far as... You know, no, I don't. I know he had connections to Northern California. I know that he received his degree and, and started uh, uh, teaching at UC Berkeley at one point in his life. Um, and in terms of, you know, why Sacramento, well, it's a great question. I mean, he may have began his... his um, terror campaign here, but I know he didn't plan on ending it here. It was that was uh, that was as a result of of a lot of hard work by a lot of very patient and determined investigators. And um, I mean, it's 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 little comfort to know that that um, Gill was the last victim. You, you uh, um, but. Uh, he was, you know. It's it's just uh, the, the world would be a better place with Gill in it than with Gill out of it. Yeah. So Gill was the last victim in April of 1995, and then almost a year later, April 3rd, 1996, they arrested him in his cabin. And John, you at that point were with the Associated Press, and you were yeah. one of the lead reporters on on this case in Sacramento. So what what happened yeah. to you the day he was arrested? Well. Um, you know, I, but I again, I was down in Sacramento. Uh, he was arrested near his cabin in uh, Lincoln, and ultimately he gets brought to, down. To here. clarify, Lincoln, Montana, not yeah, Lincoln, California. Lincoln, Montana. But ultimately, he's brought down here, as was his cabin. We were talking a little earlier about that. I always wanted that assignment to go up to Montana and follow the cabin all the way down as it was towed down. That seems like that would have been that would have been interesting. And I know one reporter anyway who did it who was filing stories constantly on the long road back to Sacramento, which must have been a hell of an assignment. But the, Sacramento was the nexus of the legal fight. The, and the, the case developed down here, the jury selection, the building the case, um, his court appearances up until uh, the time of the trial, uh, which actually was not held in January. That would have been January, what, 97, 96, 97, um, 98, right around in that period. Uh, there was no trial. There was one day uh, he entered a plea. The next day he entered a guilty plea, and that was really the end of the case. And it was sort of like all this preparation that we had made and other reporters had made to 
to cover this case and have it end abruptly was really sort of the final surprise in this case for us. Anyway, we'd set up a special bureau down on Capitol Mall, and there are lots of news organizations down there. Remember, the traffic, or the parking lot there had been filled with the, the video cameras and the trucks and stuff. It was quite a mob, is my memory of that. It was, but, you know, talk, thinking about Kaczynski, I mean, the, the whole thing about the trial and then the lack of trial and, and the, the plea, I mean, all of it was an attempt to remain in control. Um, and it was uh, you know, sort of the ultimate narcissist about it all. I remember the uh, witnesses, uh, including Ted Kaczynski's family, family member, David Kaczynski, I think his wife as well, were in Sacramento. We wanted to see if, as reporters, we wanted to see if we could find the family members. And uh, myself and an AP photographer, Rich Petrocelli, he probably remembers this, we drove all around the city trying to figure out where would they be you know, and it turned out we had driven by where they were a number of times. They were at the Vagabond Inn off of Alhambra. So if you're ever a federal agent and you're hiding witnesses, go check the Vagabond Inn first. <laughs> That's where they kept them. I guess it wasn't a, an expensive motel. The feds had the expenses covered, and it wasn't that far from the courthouse. It was easy to get in and out, you know. Um, there's a, a little factoid that nobody ever cares about at all <laughs> then or now, unless you, unless you drove around Sacramento looking for people, you know. Um, it was a, it, it was definitely a, a strange case for the reporters, and I know for uh, for the administration too, and I think maybe for the AG, it was a federal case, um, but it was just the proximity to the AG's office always just I always for some reason that sticks out, and uh, as many times as I'd been by those offices to have this as a crime scene and an internationally known case was kind of odd too. It just the whole thing was sort of surreal. You know, it's 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 um, you know interesting in terms of you know for a lot of people it's surreal, but for you know me and a lot of others it was very real. And so yeah, it's it's sometimes sure. odd to listen to people. And I'm not talking about this conversation, but to listen to people who will you know make jokes about the Unabomber or they'll 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 you know treat him like an abstraction. And um, somebody will look at me, and there'll be this awkward silence, and I'll say, you know, hey, look, I don't care. The guy's not funny, and what he did wasn't funny at all. And uh, and it's just it's it's um, it's I think it's just good to remember that you know these things happen to real people. Kaczynski was real. His victims were real. You know, the the danger he represented was real, and it affected yeah. a lot of people, and affects them still to this day. You know, it's funny, when we started the podcast, I, I, I sort of think of this episode as ancient history. But as we continue to talk and chat about it, I, I realize it's not ancient at all. This is a living memory for many people uh, here in Sacramento, of course, for the family members. and it's. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, for the boys and for his, his, for his wife. I mean, and, there's a, and plus anybody who goes into the Capitol. If you if you enter from the at the at the north entrance into the annex, you pass a tree that was dedicated by the governor's office to um, Gil Murray. And uh, yeah, there's a uh, stone and it's with a, a, plate and on a redwood right, tree right there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, uh, um, Kevin, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for all your insight and your help on this. We wanted to take a walk down history lane, which we don't do too thanks, often Tom. here at the podcast, but. Uh, Thanks for all your help and your time. I guess we'll wrap it up. I was hoping we'd wrap it up on a on a happy light note, but I can't think of a happy light note. So uh, there is one. Happy light, light note is that uh, Ted Kaczynski is happily ensconced in a supermax prison somewhere, yeah. and will certainly never uh, see the light of day yeah. again.
No, he won't. All right, guys. Thanks, Mike. Kevin, th thanks Take again. Care. Thanks for bye -bye. your time. Tim Foster, thank no you worries. very much. Thanks, John. Uh, this is John Howard, and we will see you next time around. Thank you. Bye-bye.